Hi, this is Cruz Saunders, and I'm at Information Development World, sitting down with Mark Lewis, author of Didometrics, Didometrics 101, <laughs> which we just covered. And he's also uh, just finished speaking about uh, intelligent content and the Internet of Smart Things here at Information Development World. Mark, thanks for, for joining me. I wanted to uh, start out with uh, a few questions about uh, this concept you started out with uh, when you when you blew a train whistle at the beginning of your talk about <laughs> alignment. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, uh, you, your thinking on what alignment is and how it impacts uh, development of intelligent content in the organization? Sure. Um, the original problem that I saw was that we've got this increasing level of uh, volume of content that is needed that's going to come out of the the internet of things and the internet of smart things and people say well you know, what's the difference well we've got this generic internet of things which are just connected devices and everybody says okay my toaster is connected to me now um, how much is how can that be a, a drastic increase in content well not just that but uh, that's not going to cause a lot of content what we have is a situation where we've got devices that are getting smarter and smarter because we're starting to embed more sensors, more processors. So now we have embedded software, we have user experiences, user interfaces in these devices. So not only do we have the Internet of Things, we have smart products, which are smart things, connect them all together, connected smart products, now we have the internet of smart things. So the way that I explained it to the audience was, yes, we, we've documented things before, and interfaces um, require application programming interface content. We've done that before. We've documented networks and systems of products, but we've never documented systems of smart products. And so there's an increasing volume and complexity of the content that little old content creators like us are going to have to create. And so there's just more and more layers of complexity coming from all of these innovations. So I don't think that we're ready for that. I, I think there's going to be innovations and complexities, new content requirements, and new types of content requirements that are coming that uh, we haven't thought of yet or that we don't know about yet. And so what I was explaining to the audience was we better take a content engineering approach, and that's why we're in the content engineering track today, take a content engineering approach to this problem. So what I was recommending to everybody was think about the software development lifecycle, requirements, design, implementation, and test phases, your basic engineering phases. Look at the content, the, the content development lifecycle. Well, it has the same phases in it. If you take a content engineering approach, requirements, design, implementation, test, maintenance, and what I think that we need to do is to stop thinking of content as an afterthought, which, which it typically has a low priority, um, and, and that's going to be a problem. It, it's always the, the last thing that people think about. So we've got the other engineering disciplines. They've been applying principles that, uh, that have allowed them to have, have had success for many decades. We need to look at them, look at their successes, and draw from them. 
So engineering principles applied to content. Now that we now that we've made that statement, let's talk about aligning the life cycles together. So my main point is to gather accurate and clear content requirements and bring them in earlier in the product development life cycle. So not waiting to gather those content requirements later. So you've got smart products with smart parts. The smart parts are mechanical, electrical, structural. Well, content is a part and we need smart content or intelligent content to be that part of smart product. So content is no longer an output of a publishing process. It's really an engineering input. Right. If you want to be able to get certain outputs, whether it's personalized content, going to all these different output formats, PDF, HTML, mobile devices, all the new display devices that are coming out, Devi display devices that we haven't even thought of yet, then you need to engineer your content and future-proof it for formats that we haven't even thought of yet. Got it. Well, you know, it's interesting. I know we were talking after your uh, your talk today about um, uh, with a bio biotech uh, engineering company that uh, that. I'm sorry. That was Medtronics. Yeah, Medtronics. So Medtronic had a really strong uh, uh, connection with the Internet of Things because, of course, they're creating devices that live inside of us, and those will eventually um, uh, localize content uh, about a, a health state and become providers of content as well uh, because they're providing out data states, um, uh, vitals, and, and other metrics from uh, performance in the body, and then they're publishing out content uh, uh, as well, like uh, like a Fitbit does, that will ultimately sync, whether it's via Bluetooth or other method, to um, uh, to external repositories that might then publish that via a web service to a mobile app that says, here's how your vitals are performing in your pacemaker and and in your valve replacement and and uh, and and in other uh, embedded medical devices. So it seems like the, and of course our toaster talks too. So there's, there's content, there's the, the internet of smart things as publisher, as well as prompting this need to document and manage content around the internet of smart things. Is that a fair way to characterize the, the landscape? Are there other, other parts to it? Well, even the gentleman from Medtronics was saying that we've got to move from the publishing model mentality to more of a content engineering discipline. If we're going to get all of this content done, that, that was the problem I was seeing was lots of complexity, lots of new content requirements, and I'm freaking out saying, how are we going to get this all done? And so um, that gentleman was like, yeah, we're, 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 we're taking engineering principles and we're applying them to content as a part of the product yeah yeah and so so if you're inside of a tech comms group or a marketing group or uh, you're a senior executive and you're looking at the volume of data that's already here let alone the volume that's going to be coming in the internet of smart things what should you start to be thinking now about how to get your arms around it from an executive point of view, what what should executives be thinking uh, about 
managing all of this intelligent content across uh, smart things and and other other forms of publishing. I can tell you those executives are going to be thinking about what their own priorities are, and that's fine. They're going to be thinking about increasing revenue, decreasing cost, uh, reduce time to market. So um, reflect those into the content strategy and the content requirements. It's how are we going to produce all of this content, which is more content, so that we can um, get more revenue. Um, we, we have to align those the, the content strategy with with those corporate goals with that corporate strategy, and and that's how I'm going to convince the executives that this problem exists and that they need to put effort into it. If they want to get their products out the door on time, then they better start um, applying engineering principles to their content, or it's not going to happen. So you've got um, uh, reduced effort which means reduce cost, that, that they can have if, if they ap uh, apply these methodologies. It's interesting. This really kind of dovetails with a thread that I've been hearing throughout information development world that, that, uh, that amplifies a thought that, uh, that I've been having for a, for a long time about the, the asset value of content. That content ultimately has a balance sheet value in the same way as we have uh, intellectual property value on our balance sheets in, in corporate America, and we've got uh, goodwill and, and other intangibles that are highly valued on our balance sheets. But content and data uh, seems to me to be a huge competitive advantage. Um, the, if you've got lots and lots of data points that others don't, you can do more with that than your competitors can, right? And and create different experiences than your competitors can. So we've got this, this internet of smart things that is going to become a giant contributor to that, which ultimately could be contributing to the balance sheet if those assets are managed well, if if those assets are uh, are are uh, kept in in uh, good structure and are stored well and are reused properly. So there's a cost decrease, but it seems like we've also got an opportunity to uh, to actually enhance our balance sheets um, significantly. It might not be a revenue addition, although there's there's that possibility too. Um, but th there's also this balance sheet impact. Do you think that message might resonate uh, with with leaders as well? It will. When when I typically talk to executives, I try to speak their language, which is numbers, dollars, and so um, the, the the metrics that I've designed, like in Data Metrics One Hundred and One, it's all about proving to the executives that that what you're doing in the content department is in alignment with their their corporate goals. So you say, all right, what are the top three corporate goals? You've got reduce cost, increase customer satisfaction, reduce time to market, and then we design metrics to prove to the executives that what we are doing as content creators are addressing his or her goals. And so then you get executive buy-in, and then they know that their goals are being satisfied and both of those departments, both of those strategies are in alignment. I extended that into my presentation today to say, look, you've also got to align the life cycles, meaning 
the software development life cycle, the content development life cycle, and, and the other engineering di disciplines like the mechanical and the electrical parts of, of, of these smart products. So it's alignment of development life cycles, alignment of processes, kind of like you see documentation departments doing agile now. Why? Well, because they're trying to align their processes you know, with the engineering departments that have already adopted Agile. So I see that as a, an attempt to, uh, to be in alignment. I don't think that uh, they're doing it for the reasons that, that I'm saying today. It's still a good thing, um, but I, I think that's an attempt at alignment that uh, the people are doing without realizing that, you know, how badly it's needed. It's very interesting to, to me because I'm, I'm hearing you talk in terms of, of uh, principles and guiding standards and, uh, and other, other kind of pillars of alignment that help to sustain um, across the organization uh, uh, collaboration around a, a set of common set of understandings. It kind of is reminding me a little bit of uh, uh, Lisa's talk this morning um, about governance and um, and and the importance of standards across the organization. Do you, what's your take on on how governance models will evolve with the Internet of Smart Things? Because that, it, like like you're pointing out, starts to impact even broader groups within engineering um, than are currently involved in a lot of the digital publishing processes. Sure. In order to facilitate governance and to facilitate compliance, we need to take that engineering approach. And so what I do with a lot of my clients is, is I get them to understand that, hey, if you structure your content and you bring it into a tool that allows you to design workflows and processes so that you can enforce the reviews that are supposed to happen, that we keep an audit trail of the reviews that did happen, then you can enforce governance and you can prove that governance happened, which is, you know, a lot of big corporations are getting slapped on the wrist because they're not been doing that. But with structured content, you can, and you can prove it. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, do you think, Mark, you're going to end up doing a uh, uh, metrics book for the Internet of Smart Things next? Well, one thing that I did today was I committed to what I'm calling the alignment community. I made a commitment to the presentation audience today that, look, I know that everything that I've been telling you is, uh, about gaining skills and requirements and gaining skills and design and getting out of your content creation box, moving further upstream in the product development lifecycle, they're saying, but executives aren't going to let me out of the content creation box. And I told them, I, I know. So what I'm going to do is take all these materials and these thoughts that we've talked about in this session and produce, uh, uh, rewrite it to the executive audience so that they understand that, yes, there is a problem, convince them that there is a solution. And I'm probably going to have to develop some metrics to help prove that because that's the language that they speak. Well, we're all looking forward to that in the community, and uh, and, and thank you for your leadership on that. We'll be following your, your blog and Twitter on uh, LinkedIn, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll look for this next step uh, here. And I think everybody now that's listened to this has got an inkling that the Internet of Smart Things is going to have uh, an impact on the publishing process and on the, on the 
management of intelligent content across the enterprise need to look out for it, keep it on the horizon, and, and uh, more than that, start start creating a, a plan because it's coming fast, just like everything else in, in our industry. It changes so quickly. Thank you, Mark, very much for your time today. Appreciate it. If people want to uh, find you uh, online and track your work, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, a lot of my uh, work and research appears in the Metrics LinkedIn group. Um, you can find my book at didametrics.com or didametrics101.com and just find me on LinkedIn and reach out and connect. Terrific. Thanks, Mark. Thank you.